All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, Mike. And I'm going to leave it there. That's fine. Leave it there, and we'll pick it right back up here. Because we have an awesome show for you guys today, as always. Uh, We are now, Brandon, no more sleeps, no more last weekends, no more anything. We've got NFL football coming up Thursday night. Tonight, as of the release of this podcast here, the Bills and the Rams getting ready to kick off the NFL season. Our friend Jessica Smetana from Golik and Smetty joining us today. Talk about a variety of different things from the weekend. What we saw from Brian Kelly and that wild press conference set up at the uh, L- at back at LSU. The uh, exchange between him and the reporter. Mitch Trubisky taking over as the starter for the Steelers. Plenty of stuff to get into there, but Brandon, it's officially football eve, so feels like a cause for celebration. I saw someone tweet it before that essentially opening weekend and the NFL's opening night has sort of become a version of the Super Bowl light where you've got all these events around it, a bunch of media and brand activations come into town here. It's become a big kind of spectacle that the league puts on and having the teams in it that they do Buffalo and the Los Angeles Rams certainly adds to that when you've got the Super Bowl champs in their home building getting to open up against the team that's the presumptive Super Bowl favorite right now 
much like the Super Bowl in this like Super Bowl light esque that is the kickoff for the NFL. I think this is the second year we'll get to see uh, what hodgepodge uh, first concerts that Jay Z puts together to kick off yeah. uh, things this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's that one thing where listen, I'm glad we're we're done with the end racism stuff in the end zone, just so we can stop capping and really get back to the action. And uh, I, I'm interested in what the NFL looks like focused on football this season. Yeah, now that they can take so much of their effort and energy away from stopping racism, because they were burning the midnight oil on that shit, man. They were sitting wrapped I mean, in that office like, we just need to get people to start treating people of color equally. How? How can we do it? And it was help? clearly affecting the product. <laughs> yeah, we have so many people of color. Maybe we should ask them, no, no, let's just, let's just put stuff on the helmets. Yeah, maybe you know what? Maybe we should hire some of those people of color and empower them to help influence the processes that we use and the decisions. That, no, you know what? In the back of the end zone, in the negative space right. inside the white, let's end racism. Mm. That'll that'll take racism out right at the kneecaps. One game at a time, baby. One game at a time. If you want to help end racism, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Oh, hey, thanks, hey, one step at a time, and one step <laughs> is listening to Mike's white ass and my black ass every day. <laughs> Unity. <laughs> oh, but seriously, download, subscribe, rate, review, go to wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review. Make sure you head over to DraftKings' YouTube channel. Check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there. We got our interview with Lamar Jackson up from yesterday, so you can check that out in all of its wonder and glory. But, Brandon, big news on the home front. And I feel like you will appreciate this of all people. My brother and his wife have now reached the Paw Patrol stage of parenthood. Wow. Is Jackson taken to Paw Patrol? He is very, so Jackson is like nine weeks old, and so he's taken in that. I'm sure it's the sounds and colors that are nice. He likes to lay on of his course. back and watch and look at the screen. But this basically means that now my brother is watching a lot of Paw Patrol, and the breakdown in the family group chat of this show has been pretty incredible so far. And, and let me tell you, uh, we got Marshall. Uh, leading the way for everyone. Oh no, Marshall is the is the Dalmatian who's kind of handles the fire stuff. You got Chase who's the the leading. He's he's five oh. Uh, Twelve. He's a police, but he, you know, he's still he's still the lead dog. And then you got Sky, who's the the female dog. She's in the air uh, with her pink helicopter. And you got Dozer, bull, who, the bulldozer. He's kind of like Bob the Builder. Um, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Uh, there's some other ancillary characters. I don't even know the little boy who owns all the doggies. So I will say Paw right now. Popular, popular one for our family because we're a bulldog and pug house here. Rubble the uh, Rubble the bulldog Rubble, is now the, Rubble bad. is now the icon of our family group chat. Group chat at this point, Rubble was described by my brother as he is a positive but chubby leader and gritty and kind. Would you say that's he accurate? Is, he's, he's boots on the ground. He's boots on the ground. Like not every dog gets to go on a mission to help. But for some reason, Rubble finds his way in the mix, you know, because he's like a lineman. Like, he, he doesn't get all yeah. the accolades, but he's very important to every every game. 
Really hand-in-the-dirt member of the Paw Patrol crew. This, I, yes. I'm always curious with these shows, Brandon, because I hear a lot from you and my other friends that have kids about Paw Patrol. Kids really appear into the show Bluey, which I haven't seen yet. Are these shows Bluey. that are kind of like Disney movies where they've woven some adult subject matter into there for the adults that are watching? Or is this strictly C-ball, hit-ball kid show making? Depends on the show, Mike, and I'm glad you asked. Uh, Shouts out to Adventure Time, Pendleton Ward back in the day, uh, the creator of Adventure Time. He said he wanted to make a show that kids can watch when they're seven and also enjoy when they're 27. I think a lot of uh, things in the toddler phase are trying to hit that note with things. So Paw Patrol doesn't necessarily try to do that as much and doesn't give something to listen to. But uh, what's the other one you just named? Because it definitely... Bluey. Bluey. Bluey's lit, bro. Because Bluey's like uh, an Australian dog family. They have very Australian values. So like, mm. you know, no fences, jumping on beds and the kind of craziness. Uh, but there's stuff there that's for the parents that are parenting. Because the parents are a big part of it. You know what I mean? It's like the reverse psychology. Like all those different things that, that come with r- uh, raising and rearing a child. I don't even know why they say rearing. Rearing sounds like a weird thing to have it next does. to children. But uh, but yes, to answer your question, it, it, at a certain point, you have that switch. But a lot of the stuff for the younger kids, the things that are just like lights and colors, like Cocoa Melon, there's nothing, there's nothing heady about Cocoa Melon. It's just the songs and, and the characters. But once you get into some different characters, like the Netflix shows, Trash Truck. Trash Truck's a big one in this household, Mike. Netflix mm. special. I mean, I ain't got to talk to you about how Netflix is shutting the game down. Movies-wise, they got the game on lock for these uh, these kid shows, too. You know what? It's interesting with all the quality kid shows out there. I feel like we're always looking for things that we can unite around as a nation. And yes. I have not seen any more unifying force on Earth in recent memory. And it was last year when I waded into kids' TV show water on Twitter and got this resounding answer from parents. People fucking hate Caillou. God, they hate that kid so much. Are you talking about? Are you talking about the big little ball head boy? Yes. Brandon. Yeah, he's bland. He's mel- he's running the mill. He's like it he's was, like that. Uh, it was less. He reminds than- me of that cat. That cat guy from the uh, from Katie's season of The Bachelorette. Where it's like, okay, I understand some of you guys like him, but can we please stop acting like this guy's gonna? be the answer for us the the music teacher that was a that like dressed in a cat uniform remember him i do remember that and he seemed like relatively harmless that's not the tone and tenor that i get from parents that are talking about caillou it is legitimate hatred for what i've heard described as a whiny like good for nothing brat wow See, I'm not deep in the Caillou lexicon enough to, to, to say. I, I, I think of him as White Little Bill. It's, I, I Brandon. And Little Bill's I, probably more problematic now because, uh, you know, Cosby started it. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Probably didn't age well on that. But, yeah, anti-Caillou, uh, the anti-Caillou faction of parents is the most unified group of people from all walks of life I've ever seen who have come together to hate and hate hard on this bald little kid, which I appreciate because, again, sometimes, and I've learned this about adult friendship, it is basically just adult friendship is hating the same people. That's usually what it comes down to. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, and and imagine, imagine adding kids to that. It's like... Uh, oh. Your kids can play together, and then your kids, and maybe even the parents of the kids, all hate this specific family. 
Oh, man. See, that's next level. When you can do that and have that kind of community hatred, and God forbid if you can add alcohol to it, then you've really found Ooh. something here. So the enemy of my enemy is truly my friend, and I think that's one of the truest things that I've noticed about adulthood. It's been fantastic. Bonus points if it's work, because, man, finding coworkers that you can talk shit with, whoo! Now, Mike, I want to tell you this because Jenny and Jake might need to learn this. Certain things may not hit now, but they'll hit later. For example, Carter, Lion King, when I first showed him to him, not really getting it, not really getting it. At two and a half now, he fucks with it, Mike. He likes it. He, he doesn't know what's going on with Scar. He knows he's bad. He knows Simba's good. He knows there's, there's lows and parts, but just can't wait to be king. Loves it. But, like, he's a big Tangled fan because he loves horsies and Maximus and uh, you know, blonde hair like his mom. That's probably all that stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. the, it was, it's nice to see it hit, like, once the, once the animals hit and that song hit. And I was like, Ooh. And I, I literally, I can quote that like a good album. Can I be real with you? You better not say nothing crazy, Mike. So, the songs slap 100%. Watching Lion King when they did the re-release a while back with fresh Are you eyes. About the live action. Yes. Okay. But it's the same plot. And watching okay. it back again, that movie's a puddle deep. Like I'm sorry, it's it's right. always going to have a nostalgic place in my heart. But relative to what we have seen right. with so much of the layered beauty of the later right. Disney and Pixar movies, it, it like. It's Mike. How can how can a, how can a play that rips off a Shakespeare? I mean, how can a movie that rips off a Shakespeare play be a puddle deep? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a, just a telling you, Brandon. It felt flat show. when I watched it the last time. It felt flat. It felt flat. Oh, you it had great not, songs, you but it felt flat. Any of these, Mike. Don't take any of this fucking uh, futuristic sprinkle onto our nostalgia and what we know is a good narrative, and, and let that affect the original. We don't sit here and say like a uh, new wave Twinkies affect the original Twinkie recipe. Like let, let's let's be adults about this as well, Mike. The I feel like is this perfect. is just this is like when JJ Reddick goes on first take and slanders Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy wasn't bad, but you just have to account for errors a little bit when we have these Mike. conversations. Because Lion King is a great movie. I just Brandon, I was stunned watching it because I was like, man, this just. There felt like there was something missing watching it as an adult now. It was still sad. The song still slapped, but I felt like there was something missing. Yeah, animation, soul, heart. Like the, those those remakes, Mike, they had nothing. They had nothing of the sorts. They took a 90-minute children film. John Favreau, as a matter of fact, a, a guy who claims to be a Notre Dame guy because he was in Rudy, he really messed that up for a lot of people. And I don't, I don't like that movie, and I think it's, it's irresponsible for him to remake. The Jungle Book was the same thing. Like, putting a bunch of names and stars and recognizable voices isn't the same as having James Earl Jones be Mufasa. Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. I'm only brave when I have to be. Like, he was laying out, like, gems, Mike. Jonathan Taylor Thomas as young Simba? You kidding me? Like this, it was perfect. Timon and Pumbaa, it was perfect. They tried to do Seth Rogen and shit for that. Like, let, like, yes, let. Please don't let this new shit 
affect muddy the waters for the for the original it was 1994 michael simpler times for a reason like old yeller was hitting in the streets at that time like lion king was a perfect movie it is a perfect movie this has all been worth it if for no other reason to hear you do your first legitimately good impression that was an incredible james <laughs> earl jones I, I like to call it a Mufasa, but yes, thank you. Mufasa, James Earl Jones, six of one, half dozen of the other. You nailed it, and I'm proud of you. We're going to leave on a high note there. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell Brandon how good his Mufasa impression was. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Golik and Smetty's very own Jessica Spadana. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Get started. <laughs> yeah, please, so we don't miss any more gems like that. <laughs> oh, that was... I hear your sass while you call it a gem. It actually is a gem. There was, oh, no, you know what? You don't get to call me. See, Jess, this is what happened yesterday is we started off the podcast last night and Brandon, for some reason, came in and just decided he was going to drop unparalleled levels of sass. And now he thinks he can <laughs> accuse me of the same thing. <laughs> you are it, Mike. You are a sassy bitch. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay. What is this? So what? We're in episode 90 and now the gloves come off. Is that I how shit goes say, down here? No, the boys are fighting. This is not good. <laughs> You should have a sass off. That is, oh, that is, uh, it, this is better than pretty early on. I think Brandon called me a musty bitch. <laughs> I wasn't off with that either. I, I do like, I do, I do Ooh. like that. I do wow. like that insult. I'd rather be sassy than musty. That is true. Yes. Like, cause sassy can still be endearing in its own way. Like, it's not mean. It's just a little bit of edge. Yeah. Like this this reporter who was sassy to Brian Kelly the other yes. night, she blamed it all on her Texan sass. And you know what? After reading her tweets, kind of respect the move. I do. So, and, and like, we're not betraying or like putting anyone's business out there. Leah Van uh, was the one who I believe put it out that she was the one that said it. And yes, following her on the timeline makes a hundred percent sense. And Considering the way that Brian Kelly likes to go and play amateur stand-up comedian, it also yes. just seems Loves to kind it. of be the love language around there, right? 
Yeah. Okay. So I need to ask you both, like, has, have you ever been the front row audience to Brian Kelly, amateur comedian? Because we all saw what happened after the Florida state game last year, where he made a very poorly timed, poorly delivered joke about executing his players. And it did not go over well with the national media, but as players, like, was there ever a a locker room moment or or a huddle speech where you were like, Jesus, that was not funny, but he's trying so hard. See, I don't think we got that version of BK because remember prior to the four and eight season, he was a little more fiery on the sideline. Like that was when a you little had, more. Yeah, that was when was... you had the purple face meme Ooh. that came out that we saw in every studio section. But after mm-hmm. the four and eight yeah. season, when everything sort of calmed down and he made all those changes, I feel like that became the outlet for any of the frustration that he might have had as he just workshops it into the stand up bit now. Mm. yeah he's he's always appreciated funny like mike and i used to do trick shot monday mike i can't believe it's been this long we're just talking about trick shot monday on this on this podcast you guys have never talked about i feel like you talked about trick shot monday the last time i was on we (laughs) probably did Oh, I'm telling you. Those are the good old days. Of, it's a part of us, but it's not a part of this podcast just yet. But anyway, <laughs> so it was it was gaining some steam, and we had to do it in Coach Kelly's office. Like, people wanted to see us do tricks at Monday in Coach oh, Kelly's office. Oh, that's right. And, and he wasn't prepared for how long it takes to actually get a ping pong ball in a cup, especially when you're bouncing off a of random shit in, in a head coach's office. And I remember he was, like, trying to give a little jokes at the beginning of it by the end. I think, Mike, you may have dunked it because it was like Kelly was giving us that look like, get the fuck out of my office. It was so awkward by the end because he's got a bunch <laughs> of nice stuff in there. The coach like the head coach's office area at Notre Dame super nice. And he has all this cool stuff. And we're all just in there awkwardly filming on an iPhone camera with like eight of us in there. It was I wish you mean a flip cam. We were filming on flip cams back then, Mike. So I'm trying to pull up this article that I read about Marcus Freeman and and like kind of taking over Brian Kelly's old office. And I can't remember what where I read this or if this was like a hallucination or something. But I read somewhere that Brian Kelly had a bunch of pictures of himself on the walls, like in the goo. Oh, oh no. And Marcus so, Freeman. Okay, yes, please yeah. explain this because I'm I'm blanking on this story. So it was the G you uh the GQ article that Tyler Tynes did about Marcus it. Freeman. And at one point in the article, it did say that in the last however many months before Brian Kelly had left. There had been like, I forget if it was 20 or 40 additional pictures of him that he asked to be put up around the football facility. And then I guess he left and instead of replacing them with pictures of Marcus Freeman, they just put up like other pictures or, or maybe took them down. I don't know. Like, I the whole know, thing is bizarre I to me, where Mike. they I, were. Because like there's right. pictures of all sorts of players around the facility. And I don't know if I was just like nose blind by the end and didn't notice all of them <laughs> just had. I wonder if he had just photoshopped himself in the background of all of the different football action shots thinking. where it just made oh, him my more gosh. pronounced in the back. That's a that's a great bit. Like he forest gumps himself. Like every historic <laughs> Notre Dame play, he photoshops himself. So he's like in the background of like Golden Tate like diving into the band and he's in the background of like yeah. the invention of the forward pass. He's like on a fifth horseman with the four he's, horsemen. He's like holding Brian George Gibbs hand there. in the bed. <laughs> 
Yeah, next to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, he had some poor soul that just wanted to get deeper into football work on this project, by the way, too. He thought he was going to go learn how to watch film, and it was just doing photoshops on Coach Kelly's head around the building. <laughs> now I'm trying to picture Coach Kelly in the picture that's in La Fortune of um, uh, why am I blanking on the old Notre Dame president's name with Martin Luther King? Father Hesburgh. Father, Father Hesburgh, yes. Martin Luther King, and Brian Kelly, arm in arm. And Brian Kelly's on the other side. Oh, my God, Mike. <laughs> no, Martin Luther King and Brian Kelly. Yeah. You got to switch out the white one. That <laughs> is true. You can't you can't mess with the ratio in that kind of picture. But, yeah, it well, and you fast forward with that, and, Jess, you and I were just on, I don't know when the interview, I'm assuming it's for God or stupidity, uh, with Stu Gotts having Marcus Freeman on there. But we asked him about the Notre Dame Marcus Freeman Cups that they're doing right. this weekend for the Marshall game. And he balked at having his face on the cup. We were like, Marcus, you know why your face is on the cup, man. Like, come on. Yeah. So yeah, bitches. come on. Exactly. They're going to sell out in like a quarter. I, it's going to be like Nebraska Northwestern all over again, except it's <laughs> like Notre Dame fans buying Coca-Colas because they still don't sell beer there. Oh, I know. We really need to get right on that. But yeah, it's going to be a full-scale ride in there for those cups. I love that the last uh, quote-unquote home game Notre Dame had where they sold beer at Soldier Field was like at Soldier Field, which is just the absolute worst NFL stadium. It took like 45 minutes to get a beer. I was going to ask Jess because the article came out about the Bears and the updated renovation project for the Arlington Heights property there. It seems like I remember last year, I'm always weird because local politics around stadium stuff in certain areas is kind of very specific. And I was amazed. Yeah. At, I didn't realize how many Bears fans hated the way it took to get to Soldier Field and everything that went yeah. on there. There were way more people for that Arlington Heights Stadium than I expected. Well, I think I like you said, like there's a lot of like local politics in play. I'm not certainly not an expert at like all of the various tax incentives and funding and things like that that go into it. But I will say like Soldier Field is really hard to get in and out of it's designed incredibly poorly like last year when I was there for the Wisconsin Notre Dame game it was the first time I had been back there in probably like seven or eight years and to get to the second uh the second whatever like concourse um, concourse yeah I had we had to go single file up an elevator and there were like 40,000 people in line behind me trying to go up this single file. It was like absurd. It's just a very weirdly laid out stadium because it's a, a basically a brand new stadium. Not anymore, but it was at one point like retrofitted into the old historic soldier field stadium. And from like, it, it seems like from the very first day that the new stadium was unveiled, people didn't like it. They didn't like how it looked. They didn't like how it was to get around it. They didn't like how it was to drive to it. It's in a part of town that's not super accessible to a lot of people. So yeah, it, it does seem like they're probably, they're probably not going to be able to build another stadium in the city. And the current stadium was built the way it was because the old stadium had like this historic landmark designation. But then I think that they botched the new stadium so badly that the historic designation was taken away, which I don't even know how any of Damn. that works, yeah. but it's a, like soldier field. It's not like when you're watching a game there, depending on where you're sitting, it's not like that bad, right? Like it's fine, but just, it could have been so much better. And so I do think fans want to have a nicer, newer stadium with a retractable roof and like 
easy access via car and all of that. But it also like, I don't want the bears to play in Arlington Heights. I want the bears to play in Chicago. Like, can't we figure something out? That was the part of it that felt weird to me was giving that up. And I get, this is where everything's going in the NFL because they want to be able to host the final four and the CFP and they want to be able to host the super bowl and all that stuff. And so you got to zhuzh it up a little bit. Although I'm still firmly of the belief that, Cold weather environments, despite having a dome, shouldn't host any of those like January I and totally February agree. events. Yeah, we're, you were you were at Mall of America doing radio at four a.m. in two thousand eighteen, weren't you, Mike? I was there later in the morning, but it was awful. <laughs> Walking in after taking a shower at two o'clock in the morning to wake up on the way in, and then having my beard fully freeze from the eighty-yard walk from the IKEA parking lot into the Mall of America is not it. It's not it. No, nobody has a good time. And there have been, I'm sure you can attest to this. Like there have been times where you're like, oh, I really want to go to that this year. Like this year, I was like, I really want to go to the final four, but it was in Minneapolis. And I was like, I'm not going to Minneapolis. Like I would totally have gone if it were in anywhere, like New Orleans. And Minneapolis is a great city, just not in the middle of winter. February or April. Yeah. Like I'll go to the, if the final four were in June in Minneapolis, I would definitely consider it longer listen probably still I, wouldn't go but i don't want to push back because i'm because i'm obese or whatever the reason may be of like me wanting to cape up for cold weather but guys this is football like no notre dame no famously mike mike did you wear sleeves as an offensive lineman at notre dame no but that what? wasn't because i was smarter i liked it and he wasn't standing in the, in the stadium tradition. stands either. It was oh, tradition. No, it was just what you do. Why wouldn't you? Why didn't you wear sleeves then, Mike? Because I was an idiot. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, it's because Lyman, Notre Dame Lyman, don't wear sleeves. It's because that, Ruben Mendoza, the a, strength coach, looked at me like I had two heads when I was a redshirt freshman who wanted to dress warm walking out there, and then had to go back inside and take my long sleeve shirt off. I didn't want to live like that. And Brandon, that goes back to the point I made the other day: cold weather football and snow football is not football weather. Like I said, between sixty nine mm. and seventy two degrees and a light breeze, no, the rest of that no, shit can kick rocks. No. It sucks. Okay, so Mike, I'm, you said 75 and, and, and windy, and it's bullshit too. That's as much bullshit as you saying snow is in football weather. Football season is a long season, and it goes in and out of different things, and you go out there and experience it and enjoy it. And you that's like accurate. It. I I agree. I think like I love cold weather football games, but when I'm attending an event like the Super Bowl or the Final Four or you know one of these things where I'm going to be spending a few days in that place and I'm going to watch a few games and also partake in nightlife or restaurant activity or or meeting up with people or hanging out with them. I want to, yeah, exactly. I don't want to be freezing as I sprint from my car to a restaurant in 17 layers of clothing. Like I want to sit outside and have a drink at an outdoor bar and walk around with, you know, an open container in Louisiana. That's that's really what it comes down to is it should just (laughs) rotate between a select handful of cities. I'd be fine with almost every championship event being held in New Orleans. I'd be so okay with that. I mean, I think there's like, there's five cities, right? New Orleans, LA, Miami. uh, I don't know. Phoenix, maybe. I think Phoenix is kind of a Phoenix would be a good one, yeah. Getting there, um, yeah. San Francisco. I'm, am I yeah, missing anyone? Say, anyone? Yeah, Bay Area. You gotta I mean, get I'm, Bay I'm forgetting like Dallas, but Dallas is cold in the winter. They just don't want to admit it. Yeah, no, Dallas. Mike, Dallas is slept we on. We froze cold. our asses off tailgating the Cotton Bowl, Mike. <sighs> that was 
I again shook between that trip to the Cotton Bowl and how cold that was, (laughs) and then when we played at the Sun Bowl in El Paso and it snowed on Uh, game day. I was very confused at Texas. That that was to our that was that was to our benefit though. Mike Miami players wanted no parts of that. They literally rolled the ball out there. It was like get our ass back home now. They were so very so very very done. But wait, Jess, going all the way back to the Brian Kelly stuff here because. We talked, Mm -hmm. you and I didn't get to talk specifically about this as much, but, you know, what were your emotions watching that? And were you surprised at how that went for Coach Kelly? Because for all the feelings that I think a lot of Notre Dame fans have about Brian Kelly, I said going into this, the last two coaches that have been at LSU won national championships and neither of the last three and the last two of them Mm -hmm. and Les Miles and Ed Orgeron are not, I think, inherently better coaches than Brian Kelly. So I looked at this and I thought, this guy's walking into a situation that's pretty ready-made, and then it seemed to go south in a lot of ways. It was a lot sloppier execution on the field than I think I imagined. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I think you do have to give some credit to Florida State for Mm -hmm. playing really well, too. Like, it wasn't just poor special teams, but that kind of was the thing that swung the game. Like you can play badly, but if your special teams executes well and like you don't make any mistakes, you can still win. And that was exactly what went wrong for LSU. And like, Mike, I I think a lot of Notre Dame fans probably do wish ill on Brian Kelly and want him to fail because they feel bitter that he left Notre Dame. And most coaches don't leave Notre Dame willingly uh, most coaches are forced to leave Notre Dame or take a worse job <laughs> because they have to, or they retire. And Brian Kelly was just like, nope, LSU is, is a, the better opportunity. They're going to pay me way more money. I'm going to go. And he also kind of trashed Notre Dame on the way out of the door. He wasn't super nice about the whole thing. He talked about, and, and it wasn't like totally negative. It was just kind of backhanded, I think. And so there was a lot that Notre Dame fans gave Brian Kelly a pass at while he was Notre Dame's head coach because it's like, yeah, he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. And that's kind of like, you know, the how being a sports fan works. You defend people's poor behavior when they play or coach for the team you like. And now he's not there. So it's very easy to root against him because he, he doesn't really make himself a likable guy. Like he says things like what he said to this reporter that are like, all right, buddy, like, come on, this isn't funny. Like you're trying to be cute and it's not cute. But like, at the same time, like, I don't think I'm rooting against him. I just think I'm kind of like along for the ride and and thought that the way that that game ended was legitimately one of the funniest endings that you could ever script of a college football game. I think that's what it was, is the game was just so drunk. And it was the standalone primetime game again. And we know if that game had been in the afternoon window on Saturday, it would have been a big deal because it's LSU and because it's Brian Kelly and for all those reasons, but it wouldn't have gotten the overwhelming meme attention that it did being the standalone Sunday night game. Yeah, and it was if if LSU also like hadn't come back with one minute left and they had just lost like they were down by yeah. two scores, I think, like late in the fourth. If they yeah. had just lost by two two touchdowns, it would have been like, yikes. Like Brian Kelly was not ready for this game. He coached a bad game. The team didn't execute well and they have a lot of work to do. And in, and it wouldn't have been like, 
holy shit, this is the funniest thing we've ever seen. They missed the extra point on the game tying point to take it to overtime <laughs> after they marched down the field 99 yards because Florida State fumbled it on the one yard line. Like every from both sides, it was like hilarious football for the last minute of the game. Oh, it's definitely funny. And I want to go back to uh, the fans either cheering while Brian Kelly has Brian Kelly-esque games in the SEC uh, versus, you know, people rooting for him, right? Like, I, I, there's a lot of people in the coaching staff I care about, so I'm definitely not going to root for them to lose just outright. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's gotten to that level for me now. But how nice is it to see Brian Ke- a Brian Kelly team just do Brian Kelly things and it's not our fault and it's yes. not on the Notre Dame. It's like it's egg on the face of the Brian Kelly regime teams versus the egg on Notre Dame's face because it was so indicative of everything, all the beats that we see for the Notre Dame games. We have hope. We're in this like, oh, my gosh, they look better coached than us. Like, are they ready for this game more so than we are? Okay, special teams. Okay, we can make it up for it, make up for it by uh, big chunk plays. And then at the very last second, something crazy happens that make – the people that are coached by noted by Brian Kelly lose the game. And, right. and all we have to do is sit there and watch him do like, I, I, here's the thing. I don't think that we're going to see Brian Kelly. I always talk about this for like uh, veteran players. It's like, are we going to get a, a new version of this? They, they shit on Bo Nix by talking about him in Oregon. They're like, we've seen Bo Nix. We know what we're getting. Well, guess what? We've seen Brian Kelly and we know what we're getting. And he was not a consistent head football coach for his first like five seasons at Notre Dame. Like I'm thinking of his first season, the Tulsa game. Ugh. The South Florida game, the Northwestern game, my junior year, whenever that was like games that Notre Dame should have won and couldn't finish and became really embarrassing losses against unranked teams, which is what this game was against Florida State. This was I think I I saw that he was like, oh, and I can't remember that. I am not going to remember the stat right, but he had an an immaculate record against unranked teams over the last five seasons. And that record came crashing down on Sunday night. It was something like 42 and oh, Pete Sampson. Yeah. I was going to say it was like 42 and oh, it was, it was, I will say, but he he lost, he lost all of those games, not all those games, but he lost a lot of those games. His first few seasons at Notre Dame. That was what a lot of fans remembered him for until the turnaround in 2017 well and that's why I would push back a little bit on Brandon's idea that we can't see a new Brian Kelly because we got one Notre Dame got a new head coach after that four and eight season there were legitimate like he did the thing and I remember I always reference this when Les Miles was in his last couple of seasons at LSU he was given an edict that you needed to change this Alabama had morphed its offense into the 21st century. LSU was still running into a brick wall, and they said adapt or die, and he refused to adapt, and so they fired him midway through that season. And it was a similar feeling around Brian Kelly after that 4-8 and eight season, and he did one of the hardest things a coach can do and fire the head strength coach, and Paul, and, uh, Paul Longo, who had been our strength coach there, made a bunch of changes on the staff, walked into the locker room and asked the players, what do we need to do? And again, whatever people think about the guy, he made the changes. And now all of a sudden, for the last five years, we were winning all those games. Like Notre Dame ascended to the place where they were not going to lose many of the games against teams they weren't supposed to lose to. And I think that's why I thought that level of consistency might have translated a little quicker at LSU than it did. This was also a team that had 39 scholarship players in the bowl game they played in. So there's definitely foundational issues with that team. But I, I I won't go as far as to say that he's not capable of changing. I do wonder, though, 
what the leash is going to be like at a place like LSU. Because Notre Dame, he got a lot of time to become that. And he got to weather that 4-8 and eight season that, pro- that get, I won't say probably, gets you fired at LSU. And that he was able to work through at Notre Dame because we had had the 2012 season and you already had a championship appearance on your resume. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm I'm wondering what you guys think about like I so I saw a lot of LSU message board comments about like we need to fire Brian Polian and like this is outrageous and, and like things like that after the game. And like I imagine that Notre Dame message boards are pretty similar in their ferociousness and mean comments. I'm sure there were lots of them after the Ohio State loss this weekend, but do you think that that's something that is more in the forefront at LSU or do you think that that's like like is there any difference I guess between what Notre Dame uh head coaches feel from the message board posters and the people calling for their jobs immediately and at LSU or is that a stupid question? No, I don't think it's a stupid question. I mean, the SEC just means more thing like after a while it's grading on you, but it's also kind of true down there especially I think for them, there's also the difference for Notre Dame of being a private institution versus being the state institution and the flagship school for the entire state of Louisiana. Like, I think there's a little more regional ownership that probably makes that a messier thing. You've got a huge, massive national fan base with Notre Dame. um, But I, I don't know. I could imagine the things on there being a little more extreme because also, and this is the point I've made for years, Notre Dame has the benefit of having a bigger distance between their ultimate pain and their everyday existence. Like Notre Dame's got to go to the, you know, a new year's six bowl or the CFP to get to one of these big games where we've had bad luck in LSU. You got to face Alabama and the sec West more often than not Ohio State, Michigan, all that stuff where your rival is in the same division as you and you've got a coach that's had an iron fist at your throat for decades, it feels like. That, I think, stresses Mm -hmm. a fan base different, and it's why you've seen so much turnover in LSU and Auburn and these programs that have constantly had to measure up to the Saban standard of things. Yeah, and I also think, like, one of the differences, because I do think that, like, I I do think that there's passionate fans on on any – of these big programs, uh, you know, message boards and social media stuff. But I do think that like one of the biggest differences is that if you're coaching at LSU now, like you don't have the benefit of, um, you know, kind of a decentralized 
fan base yeah. like at Notre Dame like at LSU it's probably coming from every single corner of right. you, you know it's on radio sh- like local radio local news your neighbor is talking about it whereas like at Notre Dame there's a little bit more of like a spread outness like it's a college town to go me don't get me wrong like six days out of the year it's Notre Dame football is all everyone cares about but like the fan base does travel like it's super spread out so I could see there being a little bit more intense pressure immediately when you're Brian Kelly now. And when you're, I mean, the fit thing is is definitely real, right? Like eventually winning cures all, yes. but he's also, they went from the guy that was the most Louisiana possible in Ed O, who felt like their guy, to Brian Kelly, who's had the weird offseason lead up to this and was always going to be a different fit choice than what they had traditionally had down there in Louisiana. Yeah, and I think the better Florida does this season, the more Brian Kelly's going to be on the hot seat. <laughs> Man, it's That's so true. It's That's so uh, guys, I, I don't I don't like the concept though that we're trying to push that I feel like LeBron Kelly deserves more credit and blame for this. Like I think this isn't just like a, a flash in the pan, bad taste in the mouth for LSU fans. I think this is pretty much indicative of what could happen? Mike, you said that, uh, you know, he was able to evolve and change, but aren't you supposed to take that evolution to the next place off the jump? You know what I'm saying? Like, aren't you supposed to, like, show that growth off the rip instead of, like, continuing because he's a questionable fit at these places where he has to learn how to be, uh, how to speak the twang of the things? Like, no, we ain't got time for that shit. We got we to gotta win We gotta win games in the SEC. I, I just laugh because me and Jess made the same face at the same – we both went- <laughs> – <laughs> right at the same time. Well, yeah. I mean, at what, what, at what part? All of it. I mean, yes and no. Like, I, I think it depends. Like, if, if LSU wants a coach who can, like, rebuild a program and make it consistent again, like, Brian Kelly kind of did that at Notre Dame. Notre Dame was kind of not not doing so hot for the decade before he got there, but it didn't happen overnight. They gave him a long runway to do it. And he almost got fired midway through because he wasn't doing it well enough or fast enough. Like, but he was trying to leave the entire time. Uh, that's true. I mean, after 2012, uh, that was one of the things that I, I can't remember if I was talking to you guys about uh, the the Manti doc or if it was with other Notre Dame fans, but like how how dark uh, winter 2012 was for Notre Dame fans where you had the Manti catfishing scandal, the national championship, and then in the middle of all that, Brian Kelly was taking interviews with the Eagles, I think. And it was just like, man, this is a rough, <laughs> rough offseason. And then Everett Golson got suspended like three <sighs> Three months later oh, for the entire yes. season but no I mean Brandon like I'm I'm not really sure like I don't know I I don't really know what LSU if they're in win now mode I'm not sure if Brian Kelly is that guy but I think over the course of a few seasons like he could be successful there he is a good coach like Mike said and he has proven that he's a consistent coach but not right off the bat like he's just getting to know this program i don't know how much you can expect from him right now that's true because he's not looked at like a harbaugh coach like jim harbaugh if you want a guy to come in and get your program on life off life support in year one and two for whatever reason jim harbaugh's got that juice whether it was you know college or the nfl he just for some reason knows how to come in and immediately give you that injection of life Maybe Billy Napier's in the same vein down at Florida right now as we saw the immediate returns in the Utah game, but it was a little slower of a build. You're right, Jess, at the beginning of his tenure when we were there in Notre Dame. It took a couple of seasons of, 
us losing a couple of those games that had been games that we lost in 2008 and 2009 as well before we got over that hump and kind of learned what we were doing in 2012 and they kind of built from there. I agree with I think the biggest difference between Brian Kelly and Jim Harbaugh is that people want to play for Jim Harbaugh. Like players want to go play for Jim Harbaugh. Like that's that's what he ended up building in Stanford. Like people enjoyed that. But the well, same thing with Stanford and I, Brian I, Kelly. I, I, Brandon, I think I think Brandon, Brian Kelly I, Brian Brandon. Kelly can coach at a place can Brian Brian Kelly can coach at a place that recruits itself. Right. Everyone wants to go to LSU because they want to go to DBU. Everyone they're gonna go there because they 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 know that there's a, a there's something there that's bigger than Brian Kelly that they want to go there anyways. What I'm trying to bring to the table is the fact that Brian Kelly coached football teams are meme territory. Are what? Oh, meme, meme territory. territory. Yeah, at least for a while. But again, that part of that was the Notre Dame halo around that also. I'll push back to on the Jim Harbaugh thing because people like playing for Jim Harbaugh until they don't. And we've seen plenty mm-hmm. of stops where the jackhammer personality and Jim Harbaugh, I think, has mellowed a little bit now later in his Michigan tenure based on what we saw with now. Yes, exactly. He's trying to he's trying to raise everyone's children now. That's not but mellow. You had you heard from a lot of people wow. at those stops beforehand that after a while, whether it was the administration or players themselves, his personality of go and jackhammer all the time is not for everybody either. So every coach has some of this stuff. It, it's with that with Brian at LSU just to kind of put a bow on it too. One of the other reasons why I think he's going to get time to work this out is Scott Woodward came in and cleaned house there, the new athletic director yeah. at LSU. Brian is his hire, his guy. They wanted more of a country club hire down there. So this is why I think he's going to get the runway that Jess talked about where this could work over a three, four-year period. And if he's popular with the boosters down there, which he he very well may be, like he'll get more time. Like that's always been – it's the same with any college football program. Like you really – you don't have to make the entire fan base happy, but you need like – the, the key handful of guys who run the school and run the program essentially to be bought into it. And I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what his buyout is, but I'm sure it's a lot of money. <laughs> so he's, he's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah he's, Either way. He, he got, he got time down there. <laughs> he got time uh, down there. Um, wait, speaking of lots of money. Um, and I feel like this is going to get decidedly Yinzer from here on out here. Ooh. Cause I wanted to ask Jess about, the Steelers naming Mitch Trubisky as their starter and how mm. that feels. But I, I don't know, in the in the banner of Yinzer News, I feel like Pat McAfee making the move to college game day probably vaults right to the top. That's true. Although, you know, the backyard brawl was last week and he did go to West Virginia. So I don't know how Yinzers, how Yinzers can grapple with that. I'll have to ask some of my family members. But yeah, exciting times for for uh, college game day and for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They also retired Franco Harris's number. Did you guys know the Steelers have only ever retired two football players' numbers now? Very strange fact. They've had what? one more head coach in 50 years than retired numbers. My God. <laughs> this this uh, that's, that's actually surprising given that loyalty is their hallmark. I figured they would have been retiring numbers of some of these greats left and right for that reason. I mean, there wouldn't be any numbers left then, Mike, if they retired all the you yeah. know seventies team numbers. So, oh, so much. So much I, should I be history. excited about Mitch Trubisky as someone who like thought it was really funny when the Bears traded up for Mitch Trubisky <laughs> and then rooted for him because the, he did take the Bears to the playoffs and Matt Nagy won Coach of the Year and they were two doinks away from making it pretty deep into the playoffs uh, in 2017. Like, should I? Should I hope that there's so, still something there or 
am, am I just an idiot for buying, you know, buying into this already? Um, well, something there, like you're, I think what you're right is that I think we should expect just that Mitch Trubisky, like going over and being the backup quarterback in Buffalo for one year. And then everyone trying to act like Mitch was now a coveted free agent. This off season was always sort of weird to me. He's going to probably be better in some ways than Ben Roethlisberger, just because physically he is so much more capable right now. But I, I don't know. They've got a ton of receivers and they've got an offensive line that still has question marks. So that, kind of makes it a moot point because I think he's going to be dead dog average for the most part. So that's fine though. I think being average is okay. Like I I'll take a nine and seven season or an eight and eight season while Kenny Pickett kind of warms up in the background. Like I think like the problem with Steelers fans, including myself is that like, we're always in like win a Super Bowl now mode. And you can't do that every year because if you do that every year, you end up with a, veteran quarterback for far too long because he's your win the Super Bowl now guy and you know Mason Rudolph isn't going to take you to the Super Bowl so you keep that guy and you end up in this situation that you're in now where I mean I guess the situation they're in now I think ended up being fine if Kenny Pickett is what they think he is if he's a first round draft pick quarterback and can like actually win games in the NFL I guess the jury's still out on that but like you can't win the Super Bowl every year so I hope for a decent season, like beat the Browns for God's sake. But, you know, I, I don't think they need to win the AFC championship game for me to be like, all right, cool. Like we're, we're doing good things here. Like the team's in a good spot. It is. I'm not convinced that he's just an average quarterback though, Mike. Like I, I understand. I, I I've seen, we've seen him do his thing. Yes. And he has been average, but I feel like he struggled to even do that. He's he struggled to be consistently average. It seems. Oh, so you're like. saying he's like, below? Oh, average. I thought you were going to go that he was saying he's better. Yeah. Average. I'm saying I'm saying he, I'm saying it's one of those uh, low low floor uh, high ceilings thing. Like I think I've well, seen him do some things that were would look great, but in that same vein, I've seen him do some things that are like okay, sit him on the bench, take his helmet, and maybe even take the the um, the Microsoft surfaced <laughs> you know what I mean like he needs to be far away from any decision making on the field but I think he is a, a decent to good bridge quarterback I feel like having something having someone that believes in him it's like a Mike Tomlin I think can go a long way especially in the well, interim right now while you wait on Kenny Pickett well I was just gonna say how much do you believe in him when you drafted a first rounder after you signed him right and I I don't think like anyone thinks he's going to probably start more than like eight games this season right yeah when is the Steelers I got, I got by week? Taking but over I week think, four. I think you yeah. could literally go through all the NFL quarterbacks and pick 15 that are worse than him I think he'd be like right on yes. the Men Mendoza line like Geno Smith is starting on Monday Night Football like I think we can say confidently like Mitch Trubisky is better than that like he is perfectly average right I I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Jess. I think there's there's a certain amount of quarterbacks, the bubble ones that you're talking about, that are as good as the narratives around them. I like what, what do we do with Davis Mills? I you know what? Let's put it this way: if Hall of Fame, if I yeah, I would say if you were a team right now, you would probably rather have Davis Mills than Mitch Trubisky. 
Yeah. I actually don't dislike Davis Mills. I just remember him playing against Notre Dame and yeah. not being – and then seeing him in the NFL and being like, what? It's <laughs> honestly Davis – You can say the same about Sam Darnold, though, if you're a Notre Dame fan. Sam, well, And you'd oh be gosh. right. Davis Mills walked, by the way, so that current Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee could fly because he's already getting some NFL buzz because he's tall, white, and looks <laughs> the same. As, as Davis Mills, and Davis Mills went out and made people go, hmm, in a season where we all thought the Houston Texans were just going to be on fire. Yeah, I'm looking at a list of NFL quarterbacks, and I'm I going s- to say Mitch Trubisky's below average. I saw the ringer did the power ranking of quarterbacks, and I think had Mitch Trubisky dead last. That's so sad. Stop. Look, Mitch, I told you I've, I've been drinking the Steelers Kool-Aid. Like, I... Well, Jess, you I can't get say it. anything wrong about them right now. They haven't even played yet. Well, and like you said, going nine, like going nine and eight this season, they're going to do that anyway because Mike Tomlin's the coach. You could have me, you, and Brandon back there playing quarterback for an entire season, and somehow Mike Tomlin's going to find a way to make that into an above five hundred record. At this point, there are very few things in my life that I can count yeah. on. I don't have a relationship in my life as strong as Mike Tomlin's tie to being above 500 in the NFL. He just doesn't know anything different. So yeah, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> will be fine enough to get them to 500 because Mike Tomlin's standing next to him. I can't believe we've been talking about the Steelers this long. I know it's terrifying. I mean, you, you guys must, you to, guys though. must really like having me on. You, you had it right the first time. We like you. But no, the Steelers, the Steelers are interesting. Like We had our all-narrative team. I think the Steelers, the Steelers have a, a couple characters in there. I mean, they've been at the very top of the AFC North for years and eons, and the only thing that kind of switched that up was Joe Burrow. Like the, it, it wasn't even the fact that, that Ben Roethlisberger was below average for the last two years. It was Joe – the Cincinnati Bengals got good, and the Ravens got hurt, and then the, the – the Browns had Baker with a bum shoulder. Like the fact that the Steelers are are the lowest odds to win the AFC North is is interesting enough to me. It's a I have wild. a side bet with your dad, Mike, about about that. By the way, ooh, he picked he picked the Steelers would be last in the division, and I I took the opposite of that. So I don't know what the winner gets. Maybe I, your house. I'm not sure. That's probably that's probably a good bet. <laughs> I'd, I'd say take the one in Arizona and get ready for the Super Bowl. But I mean, that's, <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I think with Deshaun being suspended for 11 games, there's a decent chance that they're fighting. Like the Bengals and the Ravens are going to be one and two in the division. Like, I think, I think the Ravens are going to win that division. I know, you know, Lamar contract stuff aside, and I know he yeah. said in his press conference today, he put the hard deadline on Friday of this week, but I think the Ravens are going to win this division. I think the Bengals could be better, but have a similar record and miss out on top end success because the AFC just got better overall this season. Like you swapped out four offensive linemen. That's clearly, you're not going to get sacked 70 times again at quarterback, but overall some of that stuff about that team was unsustainable because it was just a wild hot postseason run where your defense balled out. Your quarterback could basically survive death back in the pocket. So I don't, imagine that replicates so yeah you guys could probably slug it out with the browns that seems like a pretty real prospect Ugh. yeah it's just this is gross um jess what? wait hold on what do you want brandon i do feel like we gotta we gotta i, I want your opinion on uh the two and nine people down in mm-hmm. miami and in the, the field oh, because yeah. it really does feel like narrative all narrative team like we're only talking about x amount of teams but ugh, miami's so damn sexy right now and they, and they could they really be, are 
I mean, if it wasn't for the Bills, I would say they'd be the best in the division, but uh, without even seeing them do anything, which is the most exciting part. I don't know. It's really hard to tell with the Dolphins. I mean, you know, obviously it's the preseason, so we haven't like really seen them play yet, but like they were so bad the last few seasons that like, I, I don't like, I'm, I'm not like laughing at Dolphins fans for, for being like hyped about this season. Cause like they went one and seven to start the 2021 season. Yeah. Like they were really bad. And then they won their last like stretch of games and had a, a, a small shot at the playoff playing against like the jets and a bunch of other like 500 teams. And so I do think that the only way forward is like to get a little bit better. So I, I'm not like making fun of them for having like high hopes, but it's like, yeah, we have high hopes, but like, oh, the Bills are in our division. So our, our high hopes are just like, maybe we'll win like three more games than last season. I don't, it's just a very well, bizarre, like hopefulness there. They, well, they don't just have high hopes. Like they put on dolphin masks and make borderline terrorist videos. Well, they just okay, can't yes, help but be giant weirdos. Let me differentiate like dolphins fans from two and on, because I'm just like that last statement was just, about Dolphins fans blanket, like the, the people on the Levitard show and the most of the people around that show. But yes, to Anon, I, it is so bizarre, Mike. I think it's just like, I, I guess like if I were Tua, I would be loving it. And like, I'm wondering maybe if like, this is a, a Tua's agent, like plant, maybe Ooh. Tua's agent is to Anon, but it's such a weird thing for their fan base to have. Cause it's like, it's the dolphins. Like they haven't been good in decades. So now they have this like group of people going to bat for Tua Tungo Vailoa. I just, I don't understand it's, it. It's such a deeply good, college football thing being done by it an is, NFL exactly. fan base. That's why it's, thank you. Yes. That's why it's weird. It is like such a college football thing. It seems like something that would have like a alt Twitter account that's Ooh. run by like the sickos committee. Now, wait a minute. If we had to put the Miami Dolphins in a conference based on vibes in college football, what conference would they be in? Big 12. I was going to say like the fun belt. I was just going to say they Ooh. seem like a sun belt team. <laughs> like they can play coastal every year. Oh, Stop. Miami, no, the Dolphins the versus the Louisiana Lafayette is an absolute barn oh, burner. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh I love I love the idea. We need to we need to do a complete draft at some point for NFL teams placed into college conferences strictly on vibes. And we're going to put oh. the Patriots in the Patriot League, obviously. I was going to say Big Ten <laughs> West, but all but same difference. <laughs> I was going. Yeah, I was going to say the the NFC East is definitely Big Ten country. I don't know if the East is Big Ten country. The East seems no. like the ACC coastal because every year it's something different. I think mm. it's running backs and 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 subpar quarterback play. I don't know, man. They they seem deeply coastal to me. Like the a the AFC West is the SEC West. That one seems like a pretty obvious comp there. Juggernaut division, best yeah. in football type thing. Yeah, I see that. I think the AFC North is Big Twelve. Ooh, I feel like their Ooh. their identities changed a lot. Where like they used to be like, uh, you know, now the Big Twelve is like big into defense again. Yep. 
you know, yeah. I feel like we could see some sort of fit there. That is true. We just talked about a whole identity but, shift shift around the AFC But then, North. you know, there's like the Bengals who are playing the air raid with all their good wide receivers. Yeah. So, right. Oh, this is going to be disrespectful. The NFC North is the NFC NFC North is basically the Mac. <laughs> no, I think that's accurate. I was going to say I was going to say the NFC North was the Big 10 East because for so long it's been a one team division. Mm. Like Michigan okay. finally upset the too. Michigan is playing the part of I think the Minnesota Vikings that have a lot of high expectations this year. Ohio State's the Green Bay Packers who have traditionally run things there. I see the logic and I like it. Yeah. I feel like we could do this team team by NFL team by NFL team. But who's that independent? Who's that Notre Dame? Who's that Notre Dame? Uh who's that who's oh. the the one to one? Is it the Patriots or am I just stuck in Charlie Weissland? <laughs> I mean, it hurts to say, but the Patriots have done a lot more modern day winning than we have, so I don't Oof. know if that's a yeah. What about the Cowboys? No, I, yeah, that's 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 it's the easy it's the easiest comp. That yeah, that one that shoe fits. You're right, and it hurts. God. But also like through the Cowboys, right? They're huge. Yeah. They're the Cowboys. It's no, it's the perfect fit, Jess. You love to hate them. Everyone's gonna talk it's about the same them. Thing they're we always say about gonna us. be relevant. Yes, that's that's why that's they're why us. It, that's why it works. <laughs> that's why it does work. Jess, I uh did you and my dad and everyone make sure you download, subscribe, rate, mm. and review Golik and Smetty wherever you get your podcast? Did you guys talk about pickleball yet on the podcast together? Because my parents finally took the plunge and went and started playing. Okay, we did talk about this. So I don't know about you guys, but I have been watching a lot of the U.S. Open this year. And I think it's just because I started playing pickleball and now I kind of understand how tennis works and let me say tennis and pickleball, not the same sport. Pickleball is much easier. That's why it is a favorite of the plus 55 age group. But I am a huge fan of pickleball. Mike Sr. is now a big pickleballer. He played for the first time with your mom yesterday, apparently. Um, I'm very excited to hear how that one turned out. I'm hoping he didn't get injured because I, I have heard that injuries are very common amongst older pickleballers. But... I am now a big U.S. Open fan, so this has like really been an exciting month for me. I love how you're giving credit to pickleball and not the fact that it was Serena Williams' final tournament as why you're into the okay. U.S. Open now. I'll, I will give Serena Williams credit because I did watch all of her matches, and that was what gave me like the entry point into figuring out who some of the players were. And also, it helps I'm in New York, and like you know, it's just like five minutes away and everyone in new york is talking about the u.s open but it's also because of pickleball mike i see the court differently now i get it i get how hard it is to play tennis now that i have played pickleball and been like holy shit pickleball's really hard and tennis is uh, even worse is even harder how do they I do thought, it i see the court thought, differently <laughs> I, th I thought you were going to say i thought you were going to say well i have to thank serena for getting me into pickleball <laughs> I thought you were going to say you are the Serena Williams of pickleball now. Oh, my God. I can only hope. I mean, I read that Naples is the pickleball capital of the country. So I may, be, I may have to join like a pickleball tournament. But I, I have played pickleball against like really good pickleballers, and they have kicked my ass. Like they are – this one guy at this pickleball court I go to is like 
so intense at pickleball. It is terrifying. He puts some backspin on it. He's like doing it like really close over the net. I'm like, and I'm watching these professional tennis players now do this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the same move that this guy played at the pickleball court in Miami. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. Now, as a novice, could you explain to me those balls? Like, what does a pickleball feel like? It feels like a wiffle ball, but it's like a little bouncier. It has holes in it. I was so thrown. My parents told me it's more like a wiffle ball than it is. I thought it was like a rubber ball, almost like a racket ball. Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought it was like uh, more like a bouncy, like a small bouncy ball, more like a tennis ball. But no, it's like a wiffle ball. So like you, it get, like air get, goes through it basically when you hit it. I, You know what? Jess, you making this connection makes me wonder. Now, I won't go so far as to say that golf is one of the most popular sports in the country. It's a nice Sunday nap sport for the vast majority of Americans, but it's top 20. But like I, Mitch Trubisky. Top 20. <laughs> the Mitch Trubisky of North American sports. But I feel like a lot of golf's popularity is amongst people that play it on the weekends and got, and people that go out to the course and play it casually because yeah, you do totally. have that connective point of, oh, I have tried to hit a shot like that and it has gone so horribly wrong. So maybe in a roundabout way, as we transition out of the golden age of men's tennis and Serena Williams retires on the women's side, maybe pickleball can be what jumpstarts some of the interested in tennis going forward now. Maybe. Up next. I mean, I think it could be, although there are like, I I think there is like a culture war between tennis players and pickleballers because pickleballers are like ruining tennis courts uh, and, and it's just play real tennis. Like I've gotten that a lot from like my coworkers, like, Oh, like you are so obsessed with pickleball, go play real tennis. Like, well, I don't want to, I don't, why would I play real tennis if I could play a miniaturized version of it where I run like 80% less and still get a workout in? Come on. It's a no-brainer. No, Brandon, I don't don't want to hear absolutely from you, Brandon, the one that telling me that I had to wear sleeves on the no sleeves on the sideline, because that's what you always do. And it's tradition. You should be telling Jess to go out there and pick up a tennis racket and play tennis based on your logic, motherfucker. I'm saying that we are a podcast sponsored by Knockaround that also sponsors the pickleball championship. And if we have to choose sides, Mike. We are clearly on one side of this, and you should be taking your ass to the uh, to Venice Beach and getting into some pickleball <laughs> tournaments because it's really hot there. You know what, Mike? We should start. Okay, this is the other sport that I'm obsessed with, which is like totally only you can only play like on the beach like certain times of the year. Well, I guess not really because you live in LA and I live in Miami, oh, so we could probably play it whenever now. Yeah. But spike ball. Going. I got yes. really into spike ball last summer and then the Olympics came around and I was watching those volleyball games and I was like, wow, that was a great touch. I would totally wish I could do that on my spike ball net. Have I, you seen the spike ball tournaments? The the, the championship yes, just happened they, a couple weeks like, ago. That professional spike ball is nothing like regular spike ball. Like that's they're true, doing true, shit true. that I've never, I couldn't even dream of. You could say it's it's they're doing too much. They're doing they too much. They are doing, yes. I feel like sometimes they're like doing trick shot Monday. Like they're doing like something just for the cameras. I'm like, that wasn't the easiest way to get that point. No. You did not have to turn around, hit it between your legs from 20 yards away to get that point. Like you're just being extra and you just want oh, this to man. go viral. I refute yeah. this. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I will say right now, me and beach games are on a bit of a hiatus. I played a lot, you know, in the past, I've played a lot of Can Jam, which I don't know mm. if you guys have played the small. I don't like. I don't like. like I don't like frisbees. I have the full blown yips for throwing wow. a frisbee right now. I should. <laughs> what you not, happens when you throw a frisbee? I Jess, I went to a backyard <laughs> party of a friend of mine's around here, so it was an open enough backyard to where they had Can Jam set up. 
but there were walls. And then because it's, you know, some LA person, the back door of their wall of their house opens up and goes inside. And I told them, I was like, listen, I haven't played can jam in a while. And the last time I did over at the beach, things kind of went rogue. The first throw went almost 45 degrees to the right and almost cleaned out a guest in the head. The second throw went straight into the wall. And after that, I just stopped. I was like, I'm not going to do this to myself. I have a mental block right now with throwing the Frisbee. It just, it's got me. We need to get you like a sports psychologist or like a hypnotist or some, someone to help you with that. Because and, Frisbee, and I need to see him too. <laughs> Frisbee, wait, why do you need to see him? Honestly, that just gave me flashbacks. Uh, the state championship discus, Track, oh, track no. and field meet in Kentucky. I was in, I was at state for discus. Y'all, I scratched all three and the last two went into the stands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Telling y'all, like I haven't, I haven't been able to throw a frisbee since, honestly. Like I can't do it. I can't. Oh. Did anyone get hurt? Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. I didn't ask no questions. I just kind of said that I was bad. I was mad. I was bad. I just focused on the shot put after that. I was just like, let me just try to place in the shot. They let you shot put after right. that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a different event with different mechanics. Less spinning. Brother man, sure. you just uh, thought, thought, launched a hard-ass frisbee into a crowd full of people. I'm not giving you any more projectiles. <laughs> oh, man. That was scary. But yes, I need to see a sports house. You were saying just... <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing after that. Mike, we need oh. to get your frisbee game fixed. I know. Brandon, yeah. you may be wanted by the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Multiple states. Oh, uh, Jess, before we let you go and we appreciate your time so much mm-hmm. on here, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about and for really both of you guys, I want to know how you both felt in your soul this weekend listening to Wright Thompson narrate an essay about the linebacker lounge in South Bend, because guys, I got to tell you, I'm getting hot. Just thinking about it. Okay. Full honesty. I almost threw up in my mouth watching it because there was a shot of these two women at the bar taking shots. And the one woman like put down the shot glass next to a white claw. And I had like a vivid memory of like all the times I've chased down shots at the backer with white claws. And I, I'm like, my eyes just started watering actually. Losing it right now. <laughs> I'm like, I can't go back there. I can never go back. I can't go oh, back there. So it, do, do you have a specific shot that brings you back to that dark place? Cause for me, it's Irish well, car vodka. bombs. I can't do Irish <laughs> car bombs anymore. Oh no, I've never done an Irish car bomb. It's oh, just, that, it's, that's, it's, it's definitely the, a backer thing. It's the yeah at the backer. It's it's like the gross well vodka at CJ's. It's like the other gross well vodka chased down with the fifteen dollar pitcher of Long Island iced tea and like yeah. the buttered popcorn that has never been cleaned uh, yes. ever from that popcorn machine. The pitchers um, of Long Island iced tea and oof. the pitchers of Red Bull vodka just jamming eight straws into those and then like sharing it with people as you went around the bar. Yeah. We were lost. The whole, see? the entire O-line is drinking out of one pitcher. Right. Like, see, this is, I don't, I'll, I'll let you, I'll answer your question, Mike. I saw it and kind of had a similar reaction to Smeddy. Just like kind of, it was one of those things where you like see someone glorifying something that was terrible to you or something that you have pain <laughs> watching. Like, I was like, how dare they? The last time I was in the, not the last time, because I've been back from weddings and like seeing it through a sober, older lens, which is very dangerous as well. But the last time I was a student went to the backer, 
I end up throwing up in my sink in the bathroom, like like instead of the toilet for some reason, throwing up in the sink and then waking up. I mean, the for, next morning, for some people, for some people, the sink was a toilet in the dorm room, first of all, but second. Oh yes, yes. I think that was probably what got confused for me. But it wasn't. It wasn't a dorm. I was on Notre Dame Ave, uh, down the street from Club Twenty Three. If you're not old enough to know what Club Twenty Three, you missed out. But listen, I, I I threw up in the in the sink, and then when I got back in the morning, I saw that it was still there, and I was like, "This is so bad." And I had to take a solo cup and scoop oh, out the sink and drop it in the, the toilet. Christ. And this is all by, this oh, is all t- tied Brandon. to the linebacker guys. Yeah. For me, I, I just I, but, I see that place and tradition never graduates, but so does alcohol. Alcohol never graduates. By the way, for anyone that's somehow unfamiliar, the linebacker lounge is an institution at the University of Notre Dame. As my dad once said, yeah. there's dried puke from when he was there in the 80s that's still in the corner of the backer somewhere. It is a very, very small, dimly lit dive bar. that Sticky floors, drop ceilings. Oh, it's got Every it. piece of Notre Dame memorabilia on the walls. It's... Probably an autographed Mike Golick picture or jersey somewhere. I know there's one in CJ's, definitely. I don't know if there's one. potties in the one. back. It's, 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 it's the truest. And it was not a place that undergrads went, but I don't know. There was just something. Yes, as a, it was not. It's a total post-grad bar. I have only gone to the linebacker once I got my diploma at Notre Dame. You're not supposed to walk up the steps of the main building before you graduate. And <laughs> basically you're not supposed to walk into the linebacker because playing buckshot with a bunch of townies isn't necessarily most college kids idea of a good time. Oh, but once man. you graduate to the finer things, that place becomes an absolute safe haven for 90s music and bad decisions. And something about hearing Wright Thompson in that low gravel voice wax poetic yeah. about how the backer is this bit of college football nostalgia that we need to hold on to as the playoff expands and all this stuff goes on. Just it did something to me because I did not think the backer had that kind of national respect. And I'm so glad that now people have to reckon with the linebacker lounge in South Bend as a piece of college football Americana. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you're going to pick any bar in South Bend or Notre Dame adjacent to do that profile on, it's got to be the backer because there's no way Wright Thompson's walking into, like, you know, Finney's. or Rourke's or Finney's oh, or, like, yeah. you know, Brothers. Brothers. Like, it's got to be the backer. That, like, old little Art Deco sign out front all lit up. It just, mm, it spoke to me. But what it said was, don't puke in your mouth when you watch this. <laughs> we all hear different messages when the signs and the prophets speak. And that was what Jess heard. <laughs> Jess, thank you, friend. Enjoy the weekend. I, Hopefully we'll I already I regret everything I said about the Steelers, but (laughs) whatever. Just win eight games. All right, Brandon, with so much of our minds trained on the NFL, I realize that it is Thursday, technically the start of football season tonight. So if we're going to make anything in the way of picks for the long season, it's probably best that we do them now. All season long, 
you guys are going to be able to follow along as me and my dad power rank against each other in the middle of each and every week. I don't think we've settled on a day yet, so I'm not going to box us into that corner. But thank you. we're going to go Golic Jr. versus Senior as an homage to Orange County Choppers, which produced some of the greatest memes on planet Earth with Junior and Senior on that <sighs> show. I mean, once I find out that West Coast Custom wasn't on the West Coast, brain broken. It's amazing. Uh, you, what, that's when you figure out life is about creative liberties. It's not letting the truth get in the way of a great name for a business <laughs> that is just about people throwing chairs in the back room of a motorcycle shop. What a beautiful oh, time to be alive. That being said, week one's power rankings are in. I have gone with, at number five, the Green Bay Packers. Uh. Number four, the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers. Number three, the Super Bowl champion defending Los Angeles Rams. Number okay, okay. two, I was expecting. Okay. the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. And number one, the Buffalo Bills. Should be no surprise to everyone. The presumptive Super Bowl favorite for most. And walking into the season right now, healthy in most of the right places here. Dawson Knox just signed to a big, long contract extension today. Great news for him. Stephon Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, all that stuff. Dad's hot five. Number five, Chiefs. Number four, Bengals. Number okay. three, Bucks. Number two, Rams. And number one, the Buffalo Bills. So, I'll, at Gojo Show on like Twitter. Your well, I mean, it's pretty chalky. I mean, I guess mine is too, to an extent. I felt like the uh, writing off of the pack. Is- I I think if they if they finally stay healthy this year, man, Mike Williams made the jump last year, was balling outrageous, making pay- plays for Justin Herbert. I think the defense is just going to be when healthy, so fast and overwhelming in the pass game, and then Sebastian Joseph Day is just going to have to be like holding up the entire world on the interior to stop the run but I don't know man I just think that team is so otherworldly talented and we talked to Nate Tice on this podcast who said he thinks he's the best quarterback in the NFL this season or the second best quarterback in the NFL this season so gotta rock with the kid man gotta rock with the kid I like it I like it I just it just outside of chalk the other one's always very interesting so I, I would say either of your lists add the Baltimore Ravens take out the bottom one and uh, it's a perfect list. So that's where this gets interesting. So final four in Super Bowl matchup. We'll do this college football playoff style because why not? Okay. Final four in the NFC. Pretty chalky again. I am almost saying this to speak it into existence. Tampa Bay and Green Bay. A rematch of the NFC Championship game from the season that Tom Brady and the Bucks won the Super Bowl. We know Tom Brady teetering yeah. on the edge of retirement. This will likely be it. And Aaron Rodgers has been stuck at that NFC Championship ceiling. 13-3 and three seasons and MVPs like it's going out of style. I think he gets over the hump, and I think Green Bay is the representative for the NFC in the Super Bowl. You think Green Bay gets to the Super Bowl? Okay. I do. Okay, so, okay I think, slow down. Slow I think, down. Let me wrap think, my mind. I think David Bakhtiari... Coming back, managing him the right way this season is going to be important. 
I think when Elton Jenkins gets back, their offensive line gets to the place where they need it to be. You've got that two-man backfield that they're going to make use of. You've got a wide receiver room that certainly has to replace one of the biggest losses of the offseason. But I just keep looking on the other side, Brandon, at this defense that's going to have Jair Alexander back fully healthy. Saw Rashawn Gary take the next step last year. Drafted even more guys. As we all looked at Brian Gutenkutz, their GM, during the draft and thought, why is this man waging war on Aaron Rodgers by not drafting an offensive player? He was secretly in the lab building a defense that, by most predictions, should be one of the better ones in the league, at least on paper this season, and could be the strength of this team early on. We know Aaron Rodgers, when healthy, has been the back-to-back MVP. The guy hasn't lost anything on his fastball, so I just think this is a team that could finally get over the hump. Because for so long, going back to the McCarthy era, it's always been like this has been put on Aaron Rodgers. Then you get a coach on offense that schematically adds something to the equation, and now you bring defense to the party in this way, and it feels like the formula for them to finally get there. I I hear you, Mike, but I think you can't account for the amount of rent that Tom Brady owns in Aaron Rodgers' head. I just think it's not it's not a very evident one. It's not a very clear one. I think they're actually friends off air, but when it comes to between them lines, Mike, and I know quarterbacks don't face off against each other, but like yes they do in in our world. And and the Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers uh divisional championship game, I love it. I want it, but there's just something about it. I feel like it's kryptonite to soup to uh, Aaron Rodgers Superman. I ultimately think that maybe some of that success that Aaron Rodgers has had at the match over the years on the golf course where Tom Brady has really not showed well for himself maybe trickles over to the football field for once Uh on the AFC side this one's super chalky this is like Alabama and Georgia getting ready to play it's Buffalo and Kansas City after last year's divisional round matchup this is the AFC championship that we deserve I don't like that I don't like it I don't like it I don't like it. I have Kansas City and Green Bay squaring off in the Super Bowl, and I have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this year. I think they're going to be back. I think they've heard everyone's shit. They thought everyone had them figured out last season. Oh, we'll play cover two. We'll take away the deep threat. Now you don't have Tyreek Hill, and everyone wants to throw subtle shade at Mahomes. And I think they're going to come out here and make everyone eat a shit sandwich in the toughest division in football. And I think when it's all said and done, they go ahead and do this thing. They did the heavy lifting last year. They revamped an entire offensive line after that Super Bowl where they got beat up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got that group in place. They got young guys that they can rock with for a while. They need the defense to show up a little more in some key moments. Patrick Mahomes, maybe it's still me, even after that Super Bowl, believing he can overcome and do so much. Maybe I'm just too you know, gone off the Kool-Aid, but I think the Chiefs win it all this year. I think they beat Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. I, I, I will say the, the factor that changes everything for me is still that 17-game season. I feel like the, the NFL bodies aren't used to it yet. They're not, they're, there's, there's, it's, it's enough of a variable to make everything crazy. Like, I don't know, the Cincinnati Bengals making it to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I, I st- I st- I'm still holding out for that level of something. I think you got it covered with the Chargers because they could take that spot this next year. But... Um, but yeah, I, I'm still holding out hope for for something actually non-chalky to happen. Well, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. We're going to have my father, Michael Oleksinyar, on the podcast tomorrow. 
And we know every year there's a group of teams in the NFL that go from like six wins or less, basically the worst to first teams that find their way back from the depths and make the playoffs. We're going to go through those. We're going to try and figure out who we think can climb out of the basement and get their way in. At Gojo Show on Twitter, you can always weigh in with us on there. But Brandon, now that we've got the official business out of the way, do you know what time it is? I do. And I'm ready. And though my love is rare, and though my love is true, yeah, this, then the third, always fly away. I don't know who my soul is. I don't know who my home is. And baby, all I need for you is this, then the third. Always fly away, fly away. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. And baby, all I need for you to know it. That's beautiful. <laughs> God damn. That was beautiful. I couldn't even look at you. Oh man, I know I had to have my say. For a on. second, you took on the shape of a unicorn. Hey, but but sir, shout out to I need to find the tweet and I'm we're gonna actually give me a great shout out. Someone DM'd or t- tweeted at me and said, I have a list of 15 songs that are in your vocal range for this, that, and the third. Tap in. So I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to stretch my devices about as far as I could get, but if somebody's listening and they hear it, I got I gotta consult. We are all about listener feedback. We appreciate everyone's help in this process. That's why we always tell you, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, and tell Brandon how much you like his singing, his this, that, and the third choices each and every week, along with that five-star rating. But Brandon, why don't we get to this? Because this popped up. Uh, Texas this weekend is going to find out if they're actually back. They take on the Alabama Crimson Tide here. I don't have the line in front of me right now, but it's a big one. They are heavy underdogs against Alabama for all the obvious reasons. We talked about the other day, Steve Sarkeesian, a former Nick Saban assistant. Nick Saban got the question about how you adjust for that. Nick Saban reminded everyone else, I know these guys too, and that should make us all very afraid. And I saw someone on Twitter in a tweet that I believe is now deleted, which is, you know, the coward's way out of a long day, but I can understand it sometimes. <laughs> the weight of the world is just too much. But essentially implored Texas fans, should they win this game, to not rush the field for a regular season win. And cited the Mike. fact that they are a big-time D1 program early on in their tenure here. This is something that they should treat as more normal. Brandon, nothing could be further from the truth. If Texas were to win this game and those fans and students want to rush that field, good God almighty, rush the field, tear down the goalpost, go ahead and start Mike. lighting stuff. Don't don't light stuff on fire. Don't do that. I don't condone that. Don't light stuff on fire. I got uh, a little ahead of myself. I- Send a risky text. Propose to your girlfriend on the field. <laughs> do it all because the apocalypse is nigh if Texas is able to pull this off this weekend. I, Mike, it, it, not only do they need to rush the field, they need to go down there and drop kick Bryce Young in the back. Like, go down there and just and start an actual melee. Don't, like, don't assault s- players. <laughs> don't assault players. Hey, listen. If it happens, it could be the start of the apocalypse, Mike. Uh, the line uh, for this game is 20 points. Mm. 20. Mm. Not 20 and a half. 
mm. which is kind of maybe some respect for Texas, but 20. Like, <laughs> I, I thought I, – I, I hammered the line when Notre Dame just because I knew that it was like very disrespectful at 16 and a half to think that Ohio State was going to embarrass Notre Dame like that for all four quarters. They only did it in that last fourth one. But this one, Mike, I don't know. I, I'm – there, I'm. I love. I love a nice underdog. This is one of the sexiest ones of the of the of the week. Do you want to hear the greatest Texas football stat known to man? Mike, yes. So, this is courtesy of Texan in NYC on Twitter. Texas football in the twelve years before King of the Hill aired. Went 77-60-2 for a 56.2% win percentage. Texas football in the 12 years since King of the Hill stopped airing, 83-71 for a 53.9 winning percentage. Texas football, during the 12 years that King of the Hill aired, went 128-27 for an 82.6 win percentage and one national title. Brandon... There's one solution to this. They got to dial him up and get King of the Hill. Get Bobby hey. and those MFers back on the screens. Get get Bobby, get Hank, get uh, uh, Boomhauer. Like, everybody needs to come back <laughs> and, and, help, and get up to some nonsense. Because I, I can I, see how that being on TV may gassed up some Texas fans, football players, boosters. <laughs> Everything was going right when King of the Hill was, was in these streets for Texas. God damn it, Bobby. <laughs> you suck. Damn it, Bobby. I just told you. <laughs> he needs, I can't believe one of the streaming sites has not Propane. revived King of the Hill. It seems so tailor-made to this Netflix era that one of them would just scoop King of the Hill and bring it back to our lives. It, 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 it is hidden deep in the depths of the Adult Swim app, uh, ready to tap in for any point in time, but you have to sift through some things, as you can imagine, uh, to, to get to the King of the Hill stuff. But, yeah, that that's... I'm wondering what other team or school that has that comp because I just feel like uh, Miami must have been doing well when like Boondocks was on or something like that. Like I need, I need, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do some research and come back, <laughs> make up my we're, own stat. We're gonna get our stats and information team on television connections to your favorite team's greatest chimes as winners atop their sport. We'll get back to you on that when Brandon finishes crunching the numbers. In the meantime, let's get to that. And that, Brandon, is more good news for America. Now, while yes. Coco Goff is no longer competing in the U.S. Open, she unfortunately lost uh, in the last couple of days here, we do have a victory for America in Francis Tiafo, earning the first trip to the U.S. Open semifinals Wednesday by an American man since 2006. And we get to see one of the, I think, more beautiful sports uh, friendships blossoming in front of our faces here. As once again, Bradley Beal hanging out courtside, cheering on his boy there, man. Get you a bond as strong as the one between Francis Tiafo and Bradley Beal. Which is to say, when you're having your greatest accomplishment, then your friend will come out and see, be seen in public with you. Which I guess isn't that strong of a bond, but still. Hey, that's when it matters. When everybody listen, I'm sure they'll become closer friends now than they were before. Cause, cause uh, I don't know, Mike, to see uh, a young American man, the the first African American to make it this far in the U.S. Open since Arthur Ashe at Arthur Ashe, to for him to to Millie Rock on his way out after winning, Mike. That was that was. I mean, I. 
I'm just inspired. I'm inspired and I'm pulled back into the narrative of the U.S. Open after honestly licking my wounds when, after, since uh, Serena got knocked out last week. No, listen, this is a great consolation prize with what we've been able to see here. A 24-year-old, the 22 seed heading into the tournament, continue to ball outrageous and continuing to stunt with his friends on the court when he does it. You love to see it. So Rafael Nadal, like, Nadal, like he already beat Nadal and that's an old story. Like, that, like this is... This just feels really, really, really good, and I, I hope hope everyone's buying in. Yeah, he beat the nine seed uh, Andre Rublev. I have a lot of trouble with these Eastern European tennis names, but beat him. He was the ninth seed. Keeps rocking on here. So congratulations to Francis Tiafo. You now got America behind you heading into this semifinal round. Can't wait to see what goes down in that one, Brandon. Let's get to the third because. Uh, the sound you hear would be my big fat ass as uh, <laughs> I saw Darren Ravel tweet earlier today that at Chiefs games this fall, they will be serving Doritos encrusted empanadas with ground beef, onions, cheddar jack cheese, and avocado crema. And I saw it, Brandon. It was so deeply on par with what I expect from Kansas City to be served in that stadium. The simplicity yeah. in an approach to stadium food in a world where we see people doing wild things, right? We see people putting chocolate inside beef, combining all sorts of strange things. And Kansas City understands. They take the lead from their head coach and Andy Reid. Can I make a delicious, savory treat for my fans to enjoy? Smelling like barbecue the entire day. I've heard Arrowhead is one of the best smelling stadiums in the NFL. And this is going to mm-hmm. add to it. It's part of the reason I have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Because I feel like when you've got fans fueled the right way in a positive smell and environment in the home stadium, you can do a lot of good things for your football team. I think it might be one of the best smelling stadiums because they clearly, and haven't been, i got to get to Arrowhead, they must have doors on those bathrooms, Mike, because with those menus that they they putting up together, they might as well have a trough in there for the shitter because that sounds like he's messing up some toilets. And I read that ingredients and I saw those ravioli, Mike, and I was like, there ain't no way in hell there's enough cheese in that thing to satisfy me. So I, it's, it's just one of those things that says it has cheese in the imagination only, but uh, all that, that Doritos encrusted ravioli with, with ground beef and crema on that time, I don't know how you say crema. It, it just feels like it just feels like there needs to be porta potties next to the seats. I can't believe the amount of people I see online hating on this menu item. Like, are you guys really surprised that they essentially did a cheese it dumpling at Arrowhead? Is that something that's so off putting and offensive to your senses? Yeah, how Ooh. good does a cheese it dumpling sound? It sounds it sounds amazing and perfect for a spork. Sounds like if a regular dumpling, you have a chopsticks. Like it might be spork territory. The spork, one of the more underutilized, beautiful inventions I've enjoyed seeing as so many, like I feel like it's once Chip and Joanna Games started getting into the home decor business that we saw mm-hmm. things like wooden sporks or metal sporks introduced to kitchenware sets that you could buy. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Not, not just having them on the wall. Have them, have them in your drawer. It's yeah. No, you're not just... Work. You're not just hanging it next to your Live, Laugh, Love poster or in this house we eat tacos poster that's in your kitchen, white people. No, no, no. You can actually use this. So, very excited about that. 
We thank everyone who supports the utility of Sporks by staying all the way to the end of this podcast here. That is how you can be a part of the change you wish to see in the world. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Tell us your favorite utensil while you're there. And make sure you head over to the DraftKings YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on that. Check out all our great interviews. See all our wonderful guests. And see us, me and Brandon, each and every day here with you guys. Thanks so much. Enjoy football tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.